You're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast, produced by students and staff at the University of Southern California's Christian Challenge Student Ministry, where we seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives honoring Him, and make Him known to their community. Learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com and connect with us on social media at USC Christian Challenge. And of course, welcome to Challenge, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we're going to be looking at... um your life objective. Let me ask you this. Have you ever walked into a house and nothing seemed to really go together? None of the furniture really seemed to match, didn't seem to go together at all. If you've ever walked into a guy's house, you've probably seen that quite a bit. You know, I mean, I'll walk in where a bunch of guys are living together and honestly, uh, not much matches. It just doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to work too well. And You look there, I mean, shoot, we even have a name for that now. I mean, you know, we call that eclectic. Oh, their style is eclectic, you know, and what you see is, okay, that works okay when you're looking at a house. It may work okay with an apartment. It doesn't work well with a life. With a life, you're really looking for something where you see a thread that ties all the different aspects, all the different decisions, all the different values together. And so tonight, what we're going to look at is your life objective. Now, a lot of times you'll hear the words objective or purpose or goal used interchangeably, and and that's okay. I really like to use the term objective because, one, because of its definition, and two, because of the reminder it is to me. You know, first off, just, you know, the, um, the definition, Webster defines objective as something towards which effort is directed something towards which effort is directed and you know i look at that i like that definition it also reminds me of my need for intentionality it reminds me as i look at that that i need to direct effort towards the objective i need to work on that and so when you talk about your life objective what your life objective is is that one thing in life towards which you give your ultimate effort. Your life objective is that one thing in life towards which you give your ultimate effort. Now, why is it important to have a life objective? You know, you may even be asking yourself, is is there... Is that something I need to worry about at my age, having a life objective? Well, only if you're going to be living any of your life at your age. Uh, If you are, then yes, it would be a good idea to begin to figure out your life objective. So, you know, I want to spend a little time looking at why is that important? Why is it important to have a life objective? The very first reason is the world is full of so many things to do. Good night. I mean, if you look around, there are so many things that you can be a part of. That's why people have all these bucket lists and everything else. Oh, I need to do this before I die, or I need to do this. And you look at all these things. Um, You know, if you don't know what it is you need to be about, then what you're going to find is you can get there a whole lot of ways. And it's hard to know how to pick and choose and what to give your time to if you don't actually have an objective that you're moving towards. So it's really important to have a life objective for that reason. The second reason is life is really brief. Life is brief. You know, if you aren't careful, life will be over before you know it. 
I mean, you know, you, you will just, you know, almost, uh, you know, effortlessly, you'll find life just evaporates. And in James 4, 14, James says this, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are but a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Now, you know, last week when uh, California broke down to, to one of their all-time coldest moments and we got to about 58, you know, uh, people were sitting around and thinking, oh, how cold this is. Well, that's not that cold. But every once in a while, I did notice, you know, when it got a little bit colder in certain places, you could go out and you could see your breath. And what he's saying is, you know what, when you see yourself breathe there, that's what your life's like. It's just there for a moment and then it's gone. Life's brief. So you need to know, then what should I be directing my efforts towards in this life? The third reason is there's a mission to accomplish. There's a mission to accomplish. In Acts 13, Luke writes for us, he says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. So David, after he had served the purpose of God, you know, after he observed the objective of God for his generation, God had work for David to do. And God has work for you and I to do. And we want to be aware of that. You know, like when, when Jesus is speaking to his followers in Matthew uh, 28, 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then he tells them, you know, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And part of what he had just commanded them was go and make disciples of all the nations. Paul reminds Timothy of that in 2 Timothy 2, 2. He says, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we are to be making disciples, making apprentices of Jesus all over the world. That is part of the work that God has for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Lastly, number four, it informs your small as well as your great decisions. One of the reasons to have a life objective, it informs your small decisions, small things, just like what are you gonna give your time to today? And it involves your great decisions, like who are you gonna spend the rest of your life with? You know, it informs all of those. If you don't have a life objective, what you do is you simply make decisions by whatever is making the most noise that day, whatever screams the loudest. You know, you, you start, oh, I better do this, I better do that, I better do this. But with a life objective, you can kind of tune out the no, noise and begin to move forward to really accomplish something with your life. It was during my sophomore year in college that I really began to kind of clarify and solidify my life objective. I had decided, you know, I don't care what anyone else does this is exactly what I'm going to live for. And this is what I'm going to live to accomplish. And so I began to do it. Now, for me, honestly, there were three significant catalysts that took part in, in really helping me in that. One of the very first ones, when I was a freshman, a guy had given me a copy of a biography of a guy named Dawson Trotman. And I read this biography. The name of the book was Dawes. And it looked a lot like Jaws. So I thought, okay, it looks like it has an ocean picture. Something. I'll read this. So I read it, you know, and um, amazing book. 
about a guy here from Southern California who had um, grown up just trying to figure out ways to kind of reform himself. He had tried all kinds of things. He joined the Boy Scouts. He joined everything, trying to figure out ways to get better. And it wasn't until he met Jesus that his life really turned around. And I read the story of his life, and I, I was convinced of two things. One, I want to know God like he knows God. And then, you know what? It seems that we should be about making disciples. One of the questions he would ask over and over in the book is, where's your man? Where's your woman? You know, if you're a girl, where's the woman that you're building into? If you're a guy, where's the guy you're building? Where's your man? Where's the man you're building into? And so I read that. That was one of the catalysts. And boy, that began to get me thinking. Then a little bit later, my freshman year, I was, um, I was at a meeting one day, and this friend of mine, Mike, who was leading the meeting, told me, he said, we're going to have this guy here tonight, Max, speaking. And, um, you know, I, I had never met this guy, Max Barnett. I didn't know who he was. And so at that point, you know, I, uh, I was thinking he was probably somewhere between like, you know, a John Wayne and an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of a guy, you know, and so there's this little skinny guy sitting next to me and I leaned over to him and I said, I'm really looking forward to this. And he leans over to me and goes, me too. And I thought, great. And then when Mike gets through introducing the speaker, this guy next to me gets up and goes up there to speak. And it turned out he was Max. And I look and I thought, this little skinny guy's Max. And he spoke that night on a message called Possibilities of a Life. And I walked out of there with the firm, firm conviction of, you know what? I want to be more like that. And I want to give my life to those things. Well, the third catalyst was I was at a conference my sophomore year, uh, right in between semesters. And I, I met this guy named Leroy Imes, and uh, we spent a week together. And, you know, I walked out of that week with the thought, I don't care what anyone else does with their life. I'm going to give my life to making disciples. Now, as I began to think about my life objective, I didn't realize how all the pieces fit together just yet. All I knew was, this is the objective I want to be about. This is the thing I want to be doing. But I know that's not complete enough. I know that's not fully there. So I, I began to kind of, you know, think through that and try to figure out, you know, what I needed to do. Um, the next year, I met young Melinda. And so uh, we began to go out some. And one of the things I noticed with her as we were dating was that was the objective that was beginning to shape her life. And that was the thing. And so I thought, hey, good night. I could, uh, I could team up with that. So, you know, I mean, so we did. And uh, been married now for 42 years coming up here in June, you know, because it's been one of those things of, you know, both of us pursuing the same objective. So all of the things we've looked at this entire semester so far have all been encapsulated in the objective of Melinda and I, which also happens to be the objective of challenge. Now, you may want to borrow from it. You may want to borrow it. Just take it and make it your own if you'd like. You're welcome to do that. Or you're welcome to use it as you work to clarify your own. But it goes something like this. 
to know, love, and glorify God and be used of him to evangelize, establish, equip, and encourage lifelong labors in the harvest. To know, love, and glorify God and be used of him to evangelize, establish, equip, and encourage lifelong labors in the harvest. Now, when I first began to think about a life objective, that was really closer to my senior year. And as I began to think about it, um, I just adopted. Later, I adapted. When I first began to think about it, I was around a guy named Max Barnett. And as I was, I watched his life and I watched what he had as a life objective. And for me, that just made sense where I was at the time. So his, his life objective went something like this. It was to know, love, and glorify God and be used by him to raise up qualified labors in significant numbers to help fulfill the Great Commission and to lead my family to do the same. And so that was his, and I thought, hey, cool, great, let's do it. You know, so I, I mean, I jumped in and I was on board. But as I began to move forward in life, one of the things I realized is that I needed to adapt that for me. For one of the reasons, you know, I felt God really moving us towards areas that were not uh, in the Midwest. And I thought to, to raise up, you know, a lot of the raising up I, I saw was uh, more of an adoption thing. And it was more of a, uh, you know, uh, helping folks that had already come to Christ, really helping them learn to walk with God. And I think that's perfectly legitimate. It's great too. But for me, I thought, no, no, no. We're going into areas where we need to start from scratch. We need to make sure that evangelism is a central part of what we're doing. So evangelizing, establishing, equipping, and encouraging were big things that I thought we needed to have in there. The other part was, you know, from his was significant numbers. And I thought, that's that's easy to do when, or easy, it's not easy, but it's easier to do when you've got a bunch of people that are already around and already on board. And I thought, you know, we're going to be starting from scratch. So I want to raise up lifelong labors. I'm not so sure they're going to be in significant numbers to start with. I mean, there again, it's kind of like, you know, anything you, you look at that, that, that's made well over time. It, it, it takes work to get it done. It takes work to really do it. So what we settled on was, you know, to know, love, and glorify God and be used of him to evangelize, establish, equip, and encourage lifelong labors in the harvest. Now tonight, we're not going to cover in depth that whole thing. In fact, that's what we've been doing this semester. What I'd like to do tonight is just to look at some verses and give you some thoughts about this life objective, and then to hopefully help you to formulate yours. So the very first part, to know. Now there, I'm not talking about just being introduced to Jesus, and I'm not talking about like you kind of uh, have decided to follow him. I'm really talking about what Paul describes for us in the Amplified Translation of Philippians 3.10. And he says this, and this, so that I may know him, experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, 
and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did. Now, a friend of mine used to call the Amplified Version kind of the multiple choice Bible. He said, you know, they throw everything in there that you could possibly translate. And I think, well, okay, well, whatever. But sometimes it gives you a picture of, you know, this is what they're trying to communicate. And I think in this case, it really does. It gives you an accurate thing. You know, Paul, Paul at this point in his life has walked with God a long time. And yet one of the things that grips him is, he says, I want to know him. I want to know him. He realized there's so much more of God to know. He wanted to continually know him. You know, I was talking with uh, this guy named Jim Peterson the other day that Jim is now in his 80s. And uh, boy, God has used his life in some amazing ways. And I asked him, I said, so Jim, I mean, um, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a good piece down the road from me. So tell me, um, what, what, how are things different there in the eighties? And he said, you know, um, I find the relationship is richer. I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, you know, I, I find that it's more that he and I are friends and that we spend time together. And he said, I, I look forward to the times that we spend together. You know, he said, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's good to be with God. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, here's a guy who is really getting to know him. Now I look at that. I don't know how you look at that. I look at getting to know God as an adventure. I mean, all right, let me ask you this. How many of you, if I said, uh, tell me what Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13 says, how, who, who would know that? See, a, see a hand come up there anywhere. Somebody knows that right off the top of their head. See, now, if I ask you, Jeremiah 29, 11, 14 hands go up, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my verse. Oh, yeah, I know that one, you know, uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. I think, yeah, but look at 12 and 13, because what he says then is this, God speaking says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart i mean i look at that and i think wow that sounds like an adventure to me one i want to be on of getting to know him but then the second one you know loving him you know when when jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment in scripture he replied with you know what we have you know Matthew 22, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So loving God is a commitment. Sometimes there's emotion there. Sometimes there's not. You're not dependent upon your emotion. You're dependent upon the fact that you have made a choice. I am going to to love him. And what you'll find too, is the more you get to know him, the, more, the easier it is to love him. In fact, it's, he's rather irresistible when you get to know him. So, and then the, the third part there and glorifying him. Now, 
Jeremy and Eric and Aaron did a great job in, in fleshing these three areas out for us over the last several weeks. But when we talked about glorifying God, remember we talked about it was revealing him. You know, the other night I was driving home from campus uh, to our house and there was a helicopter that was right above the freeway there that was coming down and it had its light spotlighted down on this one house and it just kept going around and around and around with its light down on this one house to the side of the freeway where I was driving. And I was looking over and I had the thought, you know what? That's exactly what our lives ought to be like. Our lives should be like little spotlights that put the light on God and cause him to come in clear view of other people. Our problem too often is we're trying to figure out how to take that spotlight and turn it around on ourselves. We're trying to figure out how can we put ourselves in the spotlight? What we need to do is figure out how can we glorify him? How can we reveal him to others? Paul said, as Aaron mentioned, you know, that needs to be true in all areas. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, which basically covers everything you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we need to really do that. And then the next part of our objective there, and to be used by him. Jesus tells us in John 15, five, if he doesn't work through us, nothing's gonna happen. He said, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, he's exactly right. I mean, if he doesn't work through us, nothing's gonna happen. A lot of times I see students who really want God to work through their lives. The problem is this, guys, if you're not focused on those first three things we talked about, knowing him, loving him, and glorifying him, then God is not going to be as prone to be working through your life. So you've got to put forth the effort. Sometimes people are like, well, is there a faster way? No, there's no shortcuts in, in growing in with God. I mean, you know, Teachability, humility, those are the closest things you'll find to a shortcut. But you just need to put in the effort, get to know him, walk with him. And then to evangelize, establish, equip, and encourage. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses, both in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. So, you know, God's plan for us is that, you know, we would be sharing the gospel with others. We would be helping them understand about life in the kingdom and how they could step into the kingdom. Paul talks to us about what that looks like in a practical way in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8. And we're not going to look at all, we'll look at one part of that verse that we looked at a few weeks ago where he says, Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And as we talked about several weeks ago, you know, love them, share the gospel with them, share your life. And you may look there and think, okay, you know, evangelize, establish, and, and, and equip, but what about, I mean, why encourage? One simple reason, friends, no one makes it in the Christian life on their own by themselves. They just don't do it. You need the encouragement of other people. In fact, 
the author of Hebrews admonishes us several times. In Hebrews 3.13, he says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. This is the habit of some. But there again, encourage one another and all the more as the day draws near. So we need encouragement. We really need that. And the last part of that, you know, we want to produce lifelong labors in the harvest. We saw several weeks ago that although there are many many people in the world that name the name of Christ. There's very few laborers. Those who are equipped, motivated, and intentional about helping people move from wherever they are to maturity in Christ. But God longs for us to be laborers. Now, most of you are planning on going into a wide variety of vocations. And that's, that's great. I mean, that encourages me. I, I'm duly encouraged with that. You don't want to make the mistake of thinking your vocation is your objective. It's not. In the first place, it's too small. In the second place, it's too temporal to be your objective. I was talking with a guy that was here several years ago, and he, he graduated with a, a degree in aeronautical engineering. I thought, wow, man, this is great. You know, I mean, I get to hang out with like, you know, rocket scientists and stuff, you know, so I'm sitting here talking to him one day and he tells me, he says, uh, yeah, most of the stuff that we learned after he started his job, he said, most of the stuff we learned, um, in school is pretty obsolete now. And I'm like, you're kidding. You just graduated. I mean, it was like a year ago. Yeah. It's obsolete. You know, I, I talked to another guy, computer, uh, computer science major, very much the same story. He'd been out for a couple of years. He was having to relearn all kinds of things. Why? The information he learned was obsolete. You know what? You can give your life to something that's never going to be obsolete. You can give your life to something that's not going to be temporal. You can give your life to something that will last for all eternity. So as you can see, that is what we are committed to helping you become. Um, you know, sometimes I, I'm sure that there's people that, you know, think, wow, I mean, we're, we're like being serious about some of this stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, we are. Why? Well, because the lives of many, many people in the world hang in the balance. That's why. I mean, some people will come to me the other day, somebody came up to me and said, hey, Neil, I don't know whether you know it or not, but we focus more on training here sometimes than other groups do. And I'm, yeah, I know. I know. And they're like, yeah, well, well, why? Because we want to help you to be able to land wherever it is that God has for you and walk in knowing that you are able to help others and you are able to live a life of significance wherever you happen to be. So as we wrap up tonight, I, I, I want you to think about two questions. One, what is going to be the objective for your life? And the second one, what is the one thing towards which you are going to give your ultimate effort? Now, it, it doesn't have to be word for word the exact same one I had. 
but men and women put in place what you're looking at there and as you put it in place what you will find is you will begin to live life on purpose instead of just by accident and it'll really help you out so let me pray for us and i'll turn this back over to audrey because i think she's going to lead us in some more worship father i uh, i pray that you would uh, use the things that were shared however uh, inadequate they are and father you would in your adequacy um, supersede that and speak through it and father i pray that you would help us not to try to figure out a way to create a better facade but father at the very heart of who we are you would help us to live on purpose that you would help us to live with the clear objective before us and that we would give that our ultimate effort in really moving towards it and uh, making it reality in our lives and we pray that in jesus name thanks for listening to the usc christian challenge podcast you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platforms if you like what you've heard leave us a rating and review on itunes it helps us reach others with these resources once again you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at usc challenge